This is a 980 CKNW podcast. It's a 14-degree cloudy Sunday morning in Vancouver, 645. Good morning. I'm Sterling Fox in for the vacationing Jill Bennett, joined from White Rock by Rick Forchuk. And I say from White Rock only because whenever I sit in for Jill, Rick is one of the most traveled people I know, and it's always a game as to find out where he's reporting from today. So he's actually back home in White Rock. Good morning, Rick. A rare occurrence. You're right, Sterling. Good morning. It's good to have you back home, too. I mentioned the Johnny Knoxville movie that that's out this weekend, but that's not the only one. And in fact, let's let's deal with the one that perhaps offers a little more uh, entertainment value other than the slapstick stuff of Johnny Knoxville, which we'll get to in a minute. But there's a a sailing movie that's pretty compelling sounding, Rick. Yeah, it is. It's a very interesting movie, Sterling. It's called Adrift, and it's based on actual events. And it is not at all what I expected. Uh, Knowing that it told the true story of Tammy Oldham, played by Shailene Woodley, and Richard Sharp, played by Sam Claflin, and their sailing misadventure into a Category 4 hurricane, I expected a perfect storm kind of film, full of crashing waves and howling winds as the weather did its worst. Well, sure. Yeah, and and, and there are some scenes like that, Sterling. Uh, The story does play out differently, however, in a non-linear fashion. It opens with Tammy regaining consciousness in the wreck at sea of the 44-foot sailboat that the couple was repositioning for friends, a wealthy older couple. They were in Tahiti, but a family emergency meant that they had to fly home, so they asked Richard for a price to sail the boat back to San Diego. He and Tammy were an item, very much in love and planning a future together, and with some reluctance, she agreed to the diversion. They had actually been planning to sail Richard's boat to Japan, and the adventure had begun. The timeline moves back and forth between their flawless, until the hurricane trip Mm. to San Diego, and their lives together in Tahiti prior to the trip, their courtship, and their love for one another. Richard was 10 years Tammy's senior at that point, at age 34. Both were very experienced sailors, however. Now, once the storm hits Sterling, the story moves back and forth through that event, and we piece together the pending disaster. Limited food and water, a boat that was severely damaged, no radio, and only a sextant and a few maps to use for navigation. Okay. Now, there is a twist to the story that changes the complexion of this survival tale, uh, but the movie belongs to Shailene Woodley as Tammy. She plays the pre-storm, post-storm, and during-storm character with skill and passion, an excellent look at what this kind of event does to a person's life. Uh, No more explanation here for fear of spoilers, but it's fair to say that this is an easy movie to watch, despite the challenges it being at sea and in distress, and it's more of a love story than it is a disaster tale. The rating is 14A, and and, and Tammy actually now lives in Friday Harbor in the San Juan Islands. Is that right? So this is is a a true story based on actual people that we could actually go say hi to sometime. We could go and say hi to them. Isn't that interesting? Because that's that's the impression I got, too, that it was going to be a real... uh, a maritime disaster movie. And, yeah, and you're it, saying it's one of those, but it's not that kind of film. Yeah, interesting stuff. Well, the good stuff. Now, now we get from we go from the good stuff to what can only be categorized, Rick, as the silly stuff. Yeah, well, he's back at it again. <laughs> He and the person of Johnny Knoxville, the writer, producer, and actor responsible for such R-rated fare as Bad Grandpa and Jackass the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Knoxville is where he's from, by the way, Sterling. It's not his real name. Uh, He was born Philip John Clapp. But the characters he's created as Knoxville are either loved or hated with very little middle ground. Now, the humor is base, and, well, well, it's dirty. Uh, There's really no other word. But many in the target audience just love the guy and his work. 
Now, in this movie, Sterling, Knoxville plays a character named D.C. He owns an amusement park that is woefully run down and critically dangerous, which, of course, sets up the opportunity to have the gang of idiots who appear here to perform all kinds of outrageous stunts, many of them resulting in actual bodily harm. Mm -hmm. Now, Knoxville himself is said to have dislodged his eyeball during one of these stunts to the extent that, post-movie, it bulges out of its socket each time he sneezes. And if you find that image a funny one, it's probably your kind of film. Uh, There's a loosely built plot uh, to land the stunts upon where a high-end amusement park is planned to open adjacent to Action Point, and it will severely threaten the lower-levels park's business, and it may get in the way of D.C. reuniting with his estranged daughter. Now, the stunts include capturing a porcupine with bare hands and another in which a high-pressure hose is used to blast D.C. off the top of one of the park's rides. All these stunts are the real thing, and people really do get hurt. Uh, Most of the other stunts can't be described on a family radio station. Mm. Uh, What makes all of this worse is that it's actually based on a real-life park that was so poorly maintained that many people were hurt, and at least one death occurred. Rating is 18A for Action Point, and uh, if you're a Johnny Knoxville fan, you'll want to be there. The only thing I've seen about this movie is the ad on TV, which has him sitting in a catapult and then gets blasted up and through the side of a barn. So, yeah, and that's one of the few that you could show on television in the trailer. Many of them you can't show. And I figured, okay, maybe I'll uh, not actually hurry to line up for this one, because it certainly sounds like a whole lot of the other stuff that we've seen before. But you're right. His target audience will just lap this up, won't yes, they? Yes, sir. It's true. What's going on on Netflix? I've become a Netflix guy in uh, in recent times, Rick, so now I really pay attention when you get to this part. Well, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff on Netflix always. There's also some stuff you have to be care of, but uh, uh, but let's start with Coco. This is from last year. It's an Oscar-winning for best song, animated feature, has a great soundtrack, and a complicated story that makes it a great film for young and old. Now, because it's an animated feature, it's easy for adults to say, oh, well, that's a kid show. Sure. No, it's not so. Uh, this is the story of Miguel. He's a 12-year-old boy. He lives in a small Mexican town with his extended family. Miguel has a secret. He loves to play the guitar and he loves music, but both are banned from his household and to be caught singing is a terrible sin. He does not know why. He idolizes late musician Ernesto de la Cruz, voiced by Benjamin Bratt, and due to a quirk of fate, uh, little Miguel finds himself on the side of the dead during the Mexican celebration of the Day of the Dead, and it's in this land where he does not belong that Miguel learns the secret behind his family's music hatred. The overriding theme here is the importance of family and of pursuing one's dreams. It is a fine movie. The rating is PG. That's called Coco, Sterling. Interesting stuff, and I remember that when it came out last year, and I remember your reviews at the time going, yes, this is an animated movie, friends, but it's not a cartoon. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Interesting stuff. What else is going on these days on Netflix, Rick? My next guest needs no introduction. Oh, of course, yeah. Have Santa you seen Claus. any of these, Sterling? <laughs> Pardon me? Have you seen any, any I, of these? I have not sat down for an entire episode, but yeah, I, have well, seen, I have seen excerpts, you bet. Yeah, this is David Letterman back doing celebrity interviews on his Netflix series. He now sports a long white beard that would rival Santa Claus. Yeah. And we have the 71-year-old talk show host going one-on-one with his subject. No Paul Schaefer, no studio audience. Uh, this week, Letterman's guest is shock jock Howard Stern in an insightful interview. And here's what's interesting. The rating is 14A. You don't normally see that attached 
do a Howard Stern interview. No, you certainly don't. In fact, <laughs> one of the few X-rated radio programs that's still on the air. Mind you, he's on that uh, satellite station Sirius, I believe, yes. uh, which is why he's able to dodge the rules and regulations that you and I have to live with every day. Yep. So Letterman's, the, and, and I agree with the Santa Claus analogy, by the way, uh, uh, he, and I, I don't miss the, uh, you know, the pizzazz and the Paul Schaefer stuff, although it was that he was a good Canadian boy, uh, but uh, it's just a really different format. I just wish he would get more people on that really, really disagree with him, because I find Letterman at his best when he's really challenged, rather than when he's sort of cheerleading along with somebody he uh, who he is, is along the same line of thought with. Well, you know what? When you say that, Sterling, what comes to mind is, uh, going back a few years, but Letterman's interview with Cher. Yeah. Perfect example. They were diametrically opposed, and it was a great interview, and she had him on as well. Boy, she really took a, took the mickey out of him. Ah, and it looked good on him, too, didn't it? Yep. Uh, let's uh, take a look around the rest of the day. What's anything going on on Crave this weekend, Rick? Uh, Crave TV's got an interesting one here. It's called The Fourth Estate, and if you're going to go after the fake news business in documentary form, you'd better be prepared for a lot of flack from the mainstream press, and that's just what producer and director Lee Salter gets in this UK-produced film that chases down some of the most nefarious stories ever foisted upon the public under the guise of truth. And uh, in today's world, uh, the fake news world, this one, The Fourth Estate, is really worth seeing. It's a 14A rating. That's on Crave TV, Sterling. And I suppose the one of the big revelations, Rick, would be there that this whole business of manufactured or fake news isn't exactly a recent phenomenon. It's been going on since, well, electronic media was invented. Exactly, and most people don't realize that. That's exactly correct. And even going back to World War II, FDR with his fireside chats, sure. he used to manufacture the news. He would give one message to his Congress, uh, one message to his cabinet, another message on the radio, and then he'd change the message the next day. Uh, where have we heard that kind of thing before? No kidding. How about the CBC thing tonight, just in the minute we have left here? Yeah, this is interesting. It's Earth One Amazing Day. It's from last year. We have Robert Redford and Jackie Chan narrating this BBC Earth Films production that takes us from the sunrise on the highest mountains in the world to the depths of the darkest oceans, to the wonders of hidden jungles, all in a single day. Mm. New technology, a remarkable script, offer insight into some of the miracles that our planet harbors each and every day. That's a two-hour presentation tonight on CBC Television, Sterling. Earth, one amazing day. Sounds interesting. Yeah, it's a good show. Gorgeous pictures, too, I'll bet you. You bet. Well, I'll find my no hockey tonight, so I guess I'll have to have a look. That is another option. Rick, thank you. Good to speak to you again. We'll do this again next Sunday morning. You bet. Thanks a lot, Sterling. There's Rick's picks. Rick Forchuk. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.